A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. On DAB, online, on the app, and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. What a performance. Good evening and welcome to the Oval, a ground that has just played host to the final test of one of the most thrilling Ashes series that has ever taken place. And of course, in terms of drama, it somehow managed to to hit the heights that have been consistently hit in the previous four matches. The day seesawed with England dominating the early skirmishes, only for Smith and Head to bat Australia back to a position of strength. And then, just before the lunch break, another one of those sliding door moments. Stokes, Herschel Gibbs style, throwing the ashes away. Then the rain got involved. Of course it did. Hours, overs lost. Surely Australia now in command of the game. With the second new ball not quite within touching distance, as the players came back out onto the field just after four o'clock, Stokes opted for Wokes and Alley, and it proved to be a masterstroke. Ali started the carnage, Wokes carried it on, Australia losing 4 for 11 in a breathless period in the late afternoon sun. And when Cummins edged to leg slip, Stokes atoning for his earlier error, England huge favourites. But Carey and Murphy thought otherwise. So who did Stokes throw the ball to to wrap up the game, draw the series and take a wicket with his final ball of his cricket career? Well, it had to be, didn't it? Harmison, I mean, what a day, what a test, and what an Ashes series. Actually, when you're with me, you're just with me now, the, the two captains, Ben Stokes and Pat Cummins, are both uh, uh, holding the trophy uh, together. Of course, it's finished two apiece. It'll be Australia who celebrate with the urn. That's uh, will be done separately. But uh, just try and put into words what we've seen here at the Oval today and, of course, what we've seen over this uh, this last six or seven weeks here in England. I don't think words can do this series justice, John. I think the, the being the overriding thing would be, you know, thanks very much, Pat Cummins and, and Ben Stokes from somebody who loves Test cricket. I think anybody that listening to there, you know, and get in, get in touch, 
you know, call us, text us, whatever, but ask, you know, talk about your love for Test cricket and has it just been saved? Because for 14 months ago, for a team of England to come back 2-1, eh, sorry, 2-0, and perform the way they have done over the course of the last sort of three Test matches against Australia, I don't think even you know, the, the hardened England fans would have said possible, but for me, it's just immensely proud of, of a lot of players I know on that field, Stuart Broad, who will will take the, the, the sort of the rightful sunshine yeah he writes his own script into the sunset yeah unbelievable ending hitting a six to off the last ball you've ever faced in test cricket but getting a wicket with the last ball you ever get in test cricket and I think this series um, I think has been a, a wonderful advert to say test cricket is still alive and to dare it had so many ups and downs. I think it just typified the series and the way the series has gone. It was it was magnificent. Broad, yes, but I thought Chris Wokes to Smith was the turning point in the day. Um, and I thought Moen Ali was absolutely brilliant, if you want to talk about it today in isolation alone. Yeah, I mean, look, get involved, uh, get in contact. Texas, 8-10-89. You know, is this the pinnacle? Um, can it get any better than this? Should uh, the ECB, should World Cricket get more behind Test Cricket to promote it? Should actually more Test Cricket be scheduled? Not necessarily from an English perspective. They play a lot of the stuff. But you know what, Harmy? Next year, England play um, 11 overseas Test matches. 11. In the next three years, Australia will play six. Now, it's all well and good. Ben Stokes coming out of and saying this is great for Test Cricket. But other countries have got to follow England's lead and schedule in more overseas test matches and play more test cricket, especially when you're one of the richer nations in world cricket. I have lots of sympathy for nations like the West Indies. I know that's not actually a nation, but you know what I mean. New Zealand, uh, Sri Lanka. Every time these cash-strapped boards play test cricket, it costs them half a million dollars. Australia cricket is swimming in cash. Should be playing more Test cricket overseas. It should be playing in Bangladesh. It should be going and playing three Test series overseas, and it should be paying for that. That's how it should be. And England should do the same. England should go to Zimbabwe. England should go and play Test cricket in Bangladesh. It's not good enough just playing the rich nations. So it's time for the administrators to back up what the players have done because this is the greatest format. It's the best cricket, and it's the reason I got into the game. White ball cricket's fine, but it's red ball cricket that has uh, led to my passion over the last 40 years. And uh, it would be nice if the people that actually run the, uh, run the sport can actually back it up a little bit more than they have done. Get involved with us on the show, 03717223344 and on social media at cricket underscore TS. Let's take it back, though, Harmy, right to the beginning of the day. Ricky Ponting, he thinks there should be an investigation into the ball swap. There was loads of whinging going on in Australia and on social media. England had got um, a slightly different ball to the one that they'd replaced. Um, and truth be told, it did look like he was going to make a difference. And actually, you could say it did make a difference. Yeah, I'm not as much as... I have stuck up for Australia quite a bit on on this show over the course of the last five test matches. Things have you know, been ups and downs for them. But do you know what? I'd love to sit here and say, nah, stop whinging Australia. But boy, did they have a point. Boy, did they have a point. <laughs> I'm looking at that ball going, yeah, the dog's just chewed the one on the left. And you're, you're just getting the one on the right out of the wrapper when I was looking at the screen. It, so, it was it, the difference. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes the cricket when... 
they're going in their game proper, you know, proper cricket here. Mm. And they're showing the difference between a, a three-quarter seam and a wobble seam and a split seam and all this. And you're watching it and you're thinking, all right, well, I kind of understand that, but I bet most people don't. And then today they were showing up the, the old ball and the new ball. And you're thinking, blimey, that looks pretty different. That's, that's, a, that's a, a shiny old ball that they've managed to replace a, a dog-eating one. So, uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see where they were coming from, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it and going, the one on the left of my screen, Joe Roots, worked hell of a lot hard. He's worked very, very <laughs> hard to get that shine on that side. And you can see the difference between both sides. And you're going, I don't even think we've even started shining one side of the ball there. I think I think when Jimmy and Brody got the ball, as, as I'm sure that this is a conversation that two opening bowlers will have a lot in the opening throws of, a, of, a, of any, any innings. When the ball's been, you know, being being bowled about what 10, 15 balls, you'll look for which is the best sign that you think is going to be the one to shine, and then you'll shine, yeah, you'll shine one side, you shine that side, and forget the other side. Me and Hoggy used to talk about it all the time. He used to have a go at me, you know, because you know, I stop it in the middle of the, the shiny side. It's like, you know, because it's it's so important that you make sure you get the ball off to a good start when you look after it. I'm sure the two bowlers, when they got that ball back, were looking and going, mate, which side will we shine here? Because both sides are virtually brand new, do you know what I mean? So I I think Australia had a massive point. But you know what? When you look at it and the way the day has gone, there are things that happen in the game. And yes, you can say that was huge, huge ch- uh, turning point in it. But what it, what it did, it made for an unbelievable day of Test Match cricket because the ball started moving. England looked dangerous. Australia, full credit. 380, that was a lot of runs to get. They still went for it. They had a go. Um, it's 2-2 and we've had a brilliant series. So everything that's gone, there'll be a load of talking points. The rain, Alex Carey, the ball. They're just three things that you can throw into the mix. But this, we shouldn't concentrate on negatives. We should look at positives. And I think you, you mentioned a bit, a bit earlier about test cricket and surviving and everything that goes and the little nations. Ben Stokes has stood up on the, on the podium there and said his love for Test cricket. I think the boards... Michael Atherton wrote a brilliant article about three, four months ago about making sure that Test cricket stays alive and ICC falling asleep at the wheel. They need to wake up because this has been a great advert for Test cricket. Absolutely. Uh, We've had a caller. Um, Nick, a Liverpool fan has has rang into the show. What do you want to say, Nick? Yeah, John, um, what a brilliant commentary I've listened to you do over these uh, five tests. And, and I think this test series has just really shown what the players have gotten together and done, the English team, and turned red ball cricket into an exciting game and put it back on the top shelf. And I think what you said there about the, 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 it's no good just the rich nations playing each other. It's time for um, those guys who run the, the show to uh, start you know, getting it organised enough so that uh, um, more nations play more test cricket and um, keep it going. Nick, thanks for your call. Have you noticed, like I have, that a lot of your friends who've never really shown any interest in in Red Bull cricket have suddenly really got caught up in this Ashes and are suddenly asking questions about it, enthused about it and getting interested about it in a way that has never happened before? Absolutely. I mean, I've had a guy who didn't even know the rules of cricket sit down with me and I've explained as he's gone along and he's just gotten so interested in it and just wrapped in it. What a great, what a great game he's never really known much about and how, you know, how brilliant it, it was to, to follow it. So, yeah. Brilliant. 
Brilliant yeah. stuff, Nick. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your call. Really appreciate it. And uh, uh, feel free to get uh, involved mm. if you're listening to the show. You can text us in uh, 8-10-89 or call us on 0317-22334. Going to be joined very shortly by Jared Kimber, who's been part of the show throughout. Um, and uh, a question for you. Don't answer it now. Just think about it, Harmy. You can come back. Well, Harmy, now concede that playing Anderson has been a mistake and hasn't worked at all. Four wickets in three and a bit tests. Uh, the, the test uh, he never played in, we won. Well, he played in this test and we won it. Um, talk about looking after your mates. Oh, blimey. Um, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, from uh, Ian. Um, well, you could talk about that in a second uh, because we can. And you've been quite vocal about Anderson today, one with uh, Hawksby and Jacobs. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at some of the negatives, look at the positives, look at that sliding door Herschel Gibbs moment just before the uh, the lunch break when Ben Stokes somehow managed to drop Steve Smith halfway through celebrating a catch. I mean, there's been so many moments like that. Uh, and as I say, we're going to be speaking to Jarrah Kimber. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest. Hitting you for six with top order cricket conversation. Following On Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. Written in the stars, Stuart brought to get Kerry out. His last test wicket, unbelievable day. He's been one of England's best cricketers for the last like 10, 15 years. For him to finish here today, like he did, with the last wicket, it's so special for him. You don't write them scripts. You do not write them scripts, man. He's still abroad. His last ever ball in his career is absolutely amazing. Moral ashes, man. The moral ashes. We've won him. Just ends a brilliant series in a perfect way. You're listening to Following on Ashes Inquest, uh, live from the Oval. Uh, what a test match, what a series, and it finished as, of course, it was always going to, wasn't it? With Stuart Broad uh, taking um, the final wicket to go with a sixth final ball uh, in his batting career. Ridiculous, really. Uh, Jared Kimber uh, alongside me. Jared, uh, I mean, have you, have you ever seen anything like this series? Is that the best series you've ever worked on? Yeah, I think it's the best one we've worked on. I mean, do you remember that? Oh, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but do you remember that silly Sri Lanka England series where they get, there were two tests, so they both came down to the last couple of balls? Uh, I mean, that was ridiculous. 2014. But it was, yeah, it was only two tests. This is, uh, you know, there was a point there. I was thinking it, it is still possible for Carey to get stumped by Pesto at the end of this game, <laughs> um, and I think it just tells you just how remarkable and weird the whole thing was. What about the celebration there, Jared? There was Australia have retained the the Ashes. They've come out to, over to England, won the Test Championship. They've retained the Ashes. Yes, they haven't won won the last three Test matches, but it was as if it wasn't as if, I'm not saying it wasn't a, a care, but it was just yeah, thanks very much. There's a trophy and just walked off. There was no real. I wouldn't care to say a fanfare, but they've done they've done what yeah they they came over to achieve, which or minimum to achieve, which is to to retain the ashes so there was no real celebration from Australia no I think we talked about this after the last test as well I, I kind of told you that this might happen Harmy I think you were a bit surprised when I said it yeah, back then I really can't believe it and I think it, I think when it comes down to it they were so gung-ho especially Pat Cummins on winning the ashes so what they wanted to do they wanted to win this series and so I think again they've come up slightly short not not in the same way they did last time I think last time they probably let themselves down this time it was obviously very good cricket and England got their act together very late in the series but again I think they came here expecting to win uh, they were 2-0 up and to end with a 2 all draw I think they are probably a little bit disappointed. They they still retain the Ashes. They they were very you know there was some excitement from them when they did retain the Ashes at Old Trafford, even if it was raining. But you know you've got a loss, uh, rained out game that you're probably going to lose, and then another loss. Uh, I suppose you can't uh, 
you know, you can't cheer that as loudly as you do. You know, let, let's imagine that Australia uh, retained and won the Ashes today. That would be a completely different thing uh, than the situation they find themselves in. I mean, you've got to go back to the 2nd of July for the last time Australia won a match. What is the... Uh, are we still in July? Well, it's... Yeah. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> just. Just. I don't know about you, Joe, but all days are rolling into one here. We all had to check we then, are, didn't we? We are a little bit ahead of the north down here in the south. But essentially, what's the reaction going to be back home, back in Australia? Um, I, I think, you know, after the last test, everyone sort of went the I could, retaining. I could actually just ask Jeff Lemon, who's sitting He's here as me, well, yeah. his piece of The Guardian. But I'll ask you instead. What is, it, what is the reaction going to be? It'd be awkward for me to take my head off and give it to him. Um, look, I think after retaining the Ashes, that's, that is the main thing. We've talked about this a lot at Old Trafford, what a weird situation it is, because essentially they haven't won the series, and yet there is, because of this tiny little urn that Australia don't even get to, you know, take home with them. It, you know, they've retained uh, the rights to claim that urn. Um, but I do think that you could see how much the Australians enjoyed retaining the Ashes. But I think overall, um, they won't, you know, they won't, probably won't celebrate this in the same way they did in uh, 2019, which I think was a much bigger deal um, than, than this one was. I think this, they just won the World Test Championship. We were all saying they were probably the best team in the world, and they've ended up with two all after being 2-0 up. I think there'll be a little bit of disappointment in, you know, some cricket people's mouths, but the rest will be uh, just care that they're retaining the ashes. And what about Pat Cummins? Because he's took a bit of stick from, from people who have played the game and people who haven't played the game back in Australia. Um, what, what next for, for Pat? Because whether they think he's the right person, short-term, right person, long-term, bowler being captain and all that, it's a very age inside this Australia unit. And mm. to give somebody else the captaincy, Steve Smith's 34 now. You can't give it a Warner. He's gone. Kawaja nearly, nearly gone out the door. Head doesn't look to me as though he's captain material or does, does Manus Labashin. So you know, the amount of stick that Pat Cummins, I think, unjust, but has got. Um, what now for Pat? I think the first thing Harmy is rest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He must be absolutely exhausted mentally and physically. I, you know, we just don't see people, you know, captain and be the opening bowler of, you know, six test matches, uh, especially with the way they're packed together these days. It's just, I, I can't think of too many occasions where that's ever happened before. They've already said they're going to rest him for some other um, one-day international. So we'll start with that. The captaincy thing's interesting. I don't know if you know that uh, Travis Head was a very young captain of South Australia, Harmy. Mm. So he's he was made a vice-captain early on. Then he was dropped, and no one mentioned he was vice-captain for a little while after that. But he was a vice-captain for a little while. So I do think that there is a, a chance that, you know, eventually he will go. But Cummins is only 30, right? Yeah. And he's just won the World Test Championship. I don't think... I, I think this is... One thing that's slightly different between Australia and England, I don't think there'll be as much overreaction um, to the disappointments that Cummins has had based on the fact that the Australian team were pretty good before this. Um, they may not have been quite as good as we'd hoped in the Ashes, but I don't think they'll be quite the same sort of, we didn't win the Ashes, we've got to get a new captain in or anything else. I think it'll be more along the lines of uh, Cummins did a good uh, job as a bowler I was very very tired and maybe didn't captain quite at his best but there isn't an obvious replacement uh, I hope it's also you know remembered that just like Stokes who went through his own personal bereavement and the problems obviously mm. with his with his father Pat Cummins lost his mother yeah. not not f four months ago um, had to leave an India series halfway through so you know let's just hope he is given the space just to 
you know, go back. I think he became a father, didn't he, last year as well? I think I'm right in saying. So, he's he's um, got attacked in the press a lot for being left-wing and, and all sorts of things. So he's been in the firing line for a lot of different things. The Ind- I mean, think about this. He had the India Tour. <laughs> then he had the World Test Championship final. And then he had the Ashes. Mm, like, I, well, that's kind of the point. That it's ridiculous, it's, isn't it? That's six months. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, you know, two or three years inside six months, even when you don't factor in the, uh, the, the tragedy that's affected him as well. And Stokes um, is halfway through that. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, there, there has been one thing that I've been quite interested in, just to change the, the topic slightly, and that is listening to the differences um, across the broadcast platforms. When I hear people, Australian journalists, Australian broadcasters talk about David Warner and English broadcasters talking about Jimmy Anderson. Both players coming to the end of their careers, um, possibly another year or so for Anderson, he wants to continue. Warner said he wants to continue to the SCG. But Jim Maxwell on Test Match Special, Peter Lawler when he was on Sky Sports, um, and, uh, and one other who's just slips in my mind for now. They believe, uh, Malcolm Conn, um, obviously the, uh, the, the great uh, uh, broadsheet uh, cricket writer, He's gone. He's finished. He shouldn't be playing by now. Jared, you said the same thing. He shouldn't have played in this test match. I mean, it's, and it's, there's no uh, sympathy there. There's no look at his record. He deserves a final game. He's done so well. And then when you compare that to the way that we've been speaking about Jimmy Anderson, which has been so full of emotion, um, and the two approaches, I, I'd say, have been quite interesting. Where, I mean, where now for Warner? Because at the end of the day, he actually hit half century here. That would have given him at least another test series if he was English. But <laughs> I've just got the feeling that's not going to be the case for Warner. That might be it for him. I actually thought he batted really well here, although he probably got the best of the conditions. Uh, you know, the, the pitch and the ball obviously helped him. But I thought he batted really well, probably the best I've seen him bat in quite a while, especially away from Australia. Um, yeah, it, look, I think they, they are very different. One thing is that Warner has probably been on the wane for a very long time compared to Anderson, right? So up until now, uh, Anderson's figures were really good. He was the number one ranked bowler very, very recently. Warner has, you know, the issues with playing away from home and had been, you know, on on playing away from home for a good period of time, as we talked about. Was it 10 tests that they've played away from home uh, in a row? So we probably have seen the worst of Warner from that point of view. But also he said when he wants to leave, and I think at a certain point, you know, you kind of as a team need to make a decision, right? Whether you want to grant that to him or you want to move on. And I think in Australian cricket at times we have moved on um, from players. Some players have got the final test when they've asked for them as well. But I don't think it's quite as, uh, you know, he's been a brilliant performer for Australia. I mean, 15 years ago, if you would have thought David Warner was going to open for Australia and make 8,000 test runs, I think people would have been quite shocked. So to go from a second 11 player for New South Wales to what he's done has been absolutely extraordinary. But at the same time, he's not been making runs and not been a factor for Australia away from home for a very long period of time. I think his last te- uh, Test 100 away from home was Bangladesh in 2017. To be fair, he made two of them in Bangladesh in 2017, so he really cashed in there. But he really has struggled for a long period of time, and, uh, you know, there's, what, two, three openers out there, not that far away, that they could they could try. The bigger problem for them is if Warner goes and Kawaja goes, they're going to have to find a whole new partnership. So it, it won't be easy for the team. And I think some of us probably thought the best thing to do would be to try someone else now, see if uh, that player was ready and then move on. But it's not, I don't think it's quite the same as Anderson just because Anderson's career is, I mean, we've never seen another career like Jimmy Anderson. We've never seen a seam bowler who doesn't bat play for 20 years before. Uh, and that he was still brilliant up until very recently. Uh, I think that's very different to what David Warner is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think uh, I don't think there should even be a conversation between 
the two the two careers because Warner has had a great career. But we're talking about the the greatest of all time, in my opinion, when it comes to to Anderson and the longevity of it. So, what now for Test cricket, Jared? You've been a you know, you're a massive sort of cricket man, encyclopedia of the game. You studied the game. You understand the game more than anybody else that I know. Um, when it comes to Ben Stokes and he wants to make sure Test cricket is the best in the pinnacle, um, we've just had a caller talking about more Test match crickets being played. Is it a case of the big three making sure they do their jobs and play more to in, encourage more around the littler um, nations, or is it? Do we persevere with a big three and just let cricket, test cricket, sort of die in the the smaller nations? Yeah, it depends on how nerdy you want me to go here, Harmony. But I mean, the truth <laughs> the truth is the nerdy the better, as usual. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the truth is that the best thing that would happen would be the big three nations to say we want it to continue. We think we can make a lot of money from it. We could still play it outside amongst ourselves. But what we really want to be able to do is to make sure that when there is a great Sri Lankan player and they could come over, we can make money off them as well, and do that for as long as possible. That needs to be a global league, not what not the World Chess Championship, an actual league. Uh, it needs to be that all the players are paid out of the TV rights and the streaming rights from that particular league. And I think there's, let's say, worst case scenario, that, that Test Cricket is the second most profitable version of cricket that's out there. I still think there's a lot of money to be made off that, Harmi. And I think yeah. if you just give that up and just end up playing, you know, you, you know, Australia, England and India on loop all the time, I just don't really see uh, what the point is anymore. It, 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 test cricket, for it to matter, I think, has to matter everywhere in the world, not just where there's money. Yeah, man, to that. Fantastic. Okay, Jared, thank you so much for your time. I'll um, I might see you in the pub later. Um, Harmi, I won't see you in the pub later because no, you're good job up as well. north. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, we've still got half an hour of the show. Get involved. Eight ten eighty nine on the text. Call us on eight three seven oh three seven one seven double two double three double four. We've got a couple of callers we're going to go to straight after this break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Following on Ash's Inquest. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. 
Following on, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance. We've had some uh, texts in. Uh, in my opinion, if an Ashes series is drawn, neither side keeps the urn. You start the next series on a level playing field. It seems fairer to share the trophy in the modern age. That's uh, Kerry from Swansea. And uh, just a few quotes coming in from the Pat Cummins uh, press conference. Asked about David Warner. Uh, Cummins saying... Don't know what the future holds. Uh, also says that uh, he is uh, he has been so surprised and happy by uh, the amount of people who have come up to him in the street in uh, the UK um, and just saying how much they've been loving the series. And he said that before as well. So, uh, you know, shades of 2005 and all that harmony. We've had some callers as well. Phil, a Manchester United fan. What have you got to say, mate? Um, I'm going to date myself now, but I'm old enough as a very youngster to go to Old Trafford and watch people like uh, John Edridge and being frankly bored by the idea of one run and over being acceptable and it being about technique and some years later that being followed by Boycott whose view was I'm not here to score runs, just get me out. I have to say I've got a friend who's been explaining stuff to me or uh, explaining cricket, recent cricket to me and uh, this Ashes series has reinvigorated my interest in cricket which had disappeared for years Well that is fantastic That is. Uh, do you think that, see, that what's going to be interesting Phil is whether that interest is going to carry on to the next time England play Test cricket, which is 11 months away in this country, or are you going to be setting your alarm to get up at four o'clock to watch them play in India, or well, are you going to think about buying a ticket to go and see, you know, some of the white ball stuff? You know, how how yeah, will that, or, or will as soon as the football comes back, will you, will your attention just go back to the football and you'll just kind of be like, oh yeah, well, that was fun when it lasted, but it's back to the football for me. Well, I, I like sport. I like all forms of sport, so I won't ditch cricket. Uh, I do have a view that says that most people play, what, 50 over games. Most clubs play limited over cricket. And so I will continue an interest in that. But, no, you're quite right. Uh, As a newbie, I'm not going to get up at four in the morning, I'm afraid. (laughs) <laughs> well, never mind, but at least enjoy this summer and it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether that uh, that love continues. Uh, Darren, a Spurs fan's also called in. Darren, what's your take on it? What's my take on it? I've been, I've always watched cricket and I've my favourite form is Test cricket. But the problem I think with Test cricket, you have to take it to the governing bodies. They don't, they don't really, they put so much money into the shorter forms of the game that they don't really—they're basically putting it Test cricket on the back burner. What's your thoughts, Harmy? This team of of sort of reinvigorated Test cricket over the course of the last twelve, fourteen months—that if that cottons on, so it'll be interesting to go. I know Phil said he's not fancy getting up at four o'clock in the morning, but if England go to India and play that way, and India return the favour by playing the same way. And all of a sudden, if we get two of the big powerhouses pulling that brand of cricket, which is closer to the white ball format, then I think it'll be a lot more um, watchable test match cricket than bygone days. So for me, I think we're on the cusp of something special in test cricket. And I think it's a, it's about, um, like what we're saying about the, about the administrators, the ICC, 
to get him on board now and really embrace and move on Test cricket around the world because three three teams only playing it, three countries only playing it. That's not fair. It needs to be seen everywhere, all all parts of the of of, of the world. Um, Harmy, we need to talk about um, something else, and that is Chris Wokes. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that essentially. You know, his most memorable moment from the summer could have been him being wheeled out three days before the Ireland test, telling everyone that he feared for his test career. Then he's dropped for Josh Tong, and then he doesn't play again because nobody thought he'd play because everybody was getting, you know, all excited about Joffrey Archer and Mark Wood and Ollie Stone and even Josh Tong. And here we are. He plays three test matches. He's player of the series from for England. And even today, of course... He takes four wickets, four for 50, turns the game on its head. And just like the other day when he took all those wickets and then, you know, his attention is taken elsewhere, Stuart Broad pops back and just goes, <laughs> sorry, mate, I'm just going to take the two final wickets here. You're not going to get a fifer. Um, but what a spell from him. And how brilliant is he bowled? I mean, I think I heard um, Andy Zaltzman say that there's only four bowlers in the history of the game that have taken six wickets in successive Ashes matches, three in a row. Um, I think he's alongside Alec Bedser and Tony Locke, I think. I mean, his consistency has been there for all to see. He also scored the winning runs at Headingley. I mean, it just just it just goes to show, doesn't it? Nice guys, they do come yeah. first now, now and again. Yeah, the nice guy. We've had, and I, I keep saying this about Pat Cummins, I think Pat Cummins is one of the nicest men in cricket but he's not the nicest man in cricket because Chris Wilkes is that. Um, and I think we've seen on both sides, we are, we've got... Uh, when you look at Chris, and you mentioned right at the very start of that, that sentence there when you, you started with, he didn't play against Ireland because of Josh Tong. Do you know what? That was a masterstroke. That was a masterstroke by McCollum and Stokes because they had to get a look at Josh Tong. They had to show the world without putting too much pressure on him that we potentially could use him in a test match against Australia. So what did they do? They left Chris Wokes out because it's uh, this kid. Not, we, we know what Wokes he can do. We know what he can do in England. We know that we ask him to do a job. No questions. No fun fanfare. No hist- histrionics. He'll do it, and he has done it, and he's done it brilliantly. He's lived in the shadow of Ben Stokes as an all-rounder. Lived in the shadow of Broad Anderson as a bowler. Now, well, possibly he might be just out of that shadow, because for the foreseeable future, Ben Stokes doesn't bowl. So the all-rounder spot, number seven, number eight, that's a key spot for Chris Wokes to be in the team. So he knows he's going to be in the team. Um, Broad gone, Anderson possibly going. Then you're looking at, it's a different it's a different dynamic. What I will say is, in the West Indies, his career was nearly gone because he was the leader of the pack. And it was, without Broad and Anderson, let's see where you've got Chris Wokes. The wickets didn't help him, didn't suit him. The tour was a poor tour because we knew it was the end of Joe Root and everything that was going can we give him the responsibility in this current regime with the mentality that Stokes and McCullum have got and will he thrive on it? Ooh, he, might just, he might just thrive away from home. So you might see a different Chris Wokes in the Southern Hemisphere than what we've had oh, th- th- before in, in his career. Uh, we've had another caller. Scott, a Nottingham Forest fan. What do you have to say? Um, good morning. Um, I'm calling from Brisbane. <laughs> I came over and I did um, Monday at Edgebaston. And I did Friday at the Oval. And I have to say, the new form of, of English cricket is absolutely spellbounding. It's, it's, the future's amazing for it. And I really can't wait for it to come back down here next year 
hopefully, at the Gabba. Wow, I tell you what. Mm. Harmy's got great memories of the Gabba. Thanks yeah. for calling from uh, from that part of the world. I mean, how's the jet lag for one? Um, you, well, I suppose at least you'd be in the right time zone over there watching this test match because it must be silly o'clock in the morning. Um, thanks for calling us, Scott. I mean, and this is the thing. I mean, Jared uh, was with us shortly. Uh, Jared was with us a few moments ago. He wrote a piece about uh, the way that England have gone about things. There's been some people saying, oh, we've seen teams play like this before. You know, it's nothing new. I watched Viv Richards, blah, 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 blah. And Jared put together a piece saying, hang on, nobody has ever played the game like this in the history of Test cricket. Yes, we've had players, individuals, Matthew Hayden, Adam Gilchrist or uh, Viv Richards or whoever, who have gone at a quick scoring rate. But the difference between the England run rate and every other nation in the history of the game in this era is it's unprecedented. It's unheard of. And, you know, people were starting to get a little bit not sure about this moralising from Stokes and the team about saving Test cricket. But, you know, they've talked the talk and they've walked the walk. They've absolutely backed it up. And uh, to have Australians now getting in contact and the Australians themselves admitting that actually this is... Um, a new form of cricket and actually it is worth all of the peraudits and actually we might fancy playing a little bit like this as well. Absolutely and I think, but when you look at the way England play I think yes you, you look at the shots and the shots are great but it's not about the shots it's not about you know hitting sixes and fours it's about the mentality it's about the freedom that that dressing room gives you it's about the trust that the bond that they've got between the whole lot of them that if somebody fails the next one doesn't fail and making sure that we keep on. And this, this last, this, the third innings of this match really, I think, said everything about this England cricket team because Ben folks, uh, Ben Duckett went off like a, like a train, bang. You know, he left, left Zach Crawley in his, in his wake. And then all of a sudden, as soon as Duckett got out, it was like, Crawley, I have to take over the mantle. So it's a mentality thing. Bang, I've got to go and be positive and I've got to take it on while the next person gets protected from hitting boundaries. And then Joe Root come in and did that. And then it just kept the knock-on effect. So it's not so much the shots that they're playing. It's their mentality in the dressing room that they're coming out with, the positivity and the way they're trying to... You talk about making memories, and I think this gets lost. When Ben says, we're trying to make memories, we're trying to sort of rein, you know, reinvig test cricket, we're trying to make the positive you know, outlook all the time, and we're trying to sort of make sure test cricket is saved. What, the, what they're doing is, they're not sacrificing that for the win. They're basically saying, as an 11-man 11, 11 unit we've got in this dressing room, this is our best way of winning. So all our players in this, in this team can play a certain way, which is with positivity, with freedom, and that's how we win. You know, if they want to, if, if England, if Ben Stokes changed his personnel and said, I'll bring in six, six players at the top of the order, has a strike rate of 50, yeah, he will do that and he'll play in a completely different way. But what he wants is a move the game forward in such a way that the mentality of freedom and the risk-taking is outweighed by, you know, no, I'm not saying no consequence, but to make sure that when we go out to bat, one of us is always moving the game on to make sure that this game is always evolving in positivity for the England team. And that is sometimes sacrificed by individuals' performance or individuals' goals. And I think that is what makes this team great.
Okay, well, look, we're going to hear from Pat Cummins very, very shortly here on the show. You're listening to Talk Sport. Uh, myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and this is following on Ash's Inquest. A pitch perfect delivery of superior cricket conversation. This is following on Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. We really loved our best send off for Steve Smith that day. We like old proper Ashes cricket. My wife, who is Danish but grew up in America, so about as far away as you can get from cricket, turned to me and said, I get cricket. After seven years of trying, <laughs> she finally got cricket. That declaration was a favourite moment. I said, I don't care if we lose the game. It just signalled an intent, and that's what, that's what we're all about. My favourite Ashes memory from this year was when Zach Crawley hit nearly a double hundred, not quite. And I realised shortly after he hit it, that he went to the same school as me. My favourite moment was Mr Carey running down the stumps of Mr Bairstow, completely against the spirit of the game. It's Mark Wood's impact when he came into the test matches and he absolutely knocked him over. Fantastic, brilliant. Wow, so many memories. I've forgotten some of those. I'm going to, ask, I'm going to set you a, an impossible challenge, Harmy. I want one moment from you. I will, I'm, I'm going to, I, actually, I tell you what, let's listen to Pat Cummins. And then we'll we'll discuss our one moment, okay? Let's hear what uh, Pat Cummins has just had to say about the series as a whole. I think Manchester were outplayed, um, but I think all the other four matches really were pretty even. Um, you know, right to the end, other than you know maybe Lords, that was other than Stokes, he got close. But I think um, you know it was just one of those kind of series where every game was really close. We got on the right end of it the first two games, um, and then yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, couldn't quite get over the line in the last last few, so disappointing. But um, you know, as you said, overall a really good tour. Okay, Harmy, have you got a moment? I can, I can give you mine if you if you're still thinking. But the minute Mark Wood ran into bowl at Leeds, I think completely changed the context of the series. Uh, I want to give Chris Wokes the most huge um, pat on the back for what he did in coming into this series and what he did for England in passages, but the one moment for me, the minute Mark Wood ran down that hill at Headingley, I think I think that turned, uh, that, that that changed the way Australia were. It really did. You know, 96 mile an hour for that that one spell. I think it give it give England huge momentum. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm not, yep. say, I'm not saying you're wrong, right? <laughs> I'm going to say I agree with you with Mark Wood. I agree with you with Headingley. I don't agree with you that that was the moment everything changed. So there's this kind of narrative that's brought out that England got smarter and basically changed their approach <laughs> and um, dominated the last three test matches. But that's not quite what happened, is it? Because, of course, at lunch on day two at Headingley, England were staring at a 3-0 series defeat because they'd come out swinging they were 121 for seven, I think. Just having a quick look at my, my book. 121 for seven in first innings after Australia had made 280-odd. Uh, Joe Root had dropped Mitchell Marsh, right? And then one, the first ball after the lunch break, can you remember what Mark Wood did? He smashed it for six. Yeah. And the sit for me... That was when the series changed. Yeah. And it wasn't that England started batting more sensibly. What happened was Mark Wood just hit an eight ball 24 
And then Ben Stokes can, was like, oh, yeah, I can do that as well. And instead of having a deficit of 120, England had a deficit of 25 or something, and they went on to win the game. And the whole complexion of this match changed with that 1-6 from Mark Wood, the first ball after lunch at yeah. Headingley on day two. So get, that, Steve yeah. Harmison, is my moment of the series. I get that, but you've got a fast bowler where we couldn't blow the tail away in a test match earlier who has just rocked up, got 96 mile an hour, then blew the tail away and uh, and won us the game. So I, 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 I'm not going to argue. Um, it was it was brilliant, both bat and ball. Stokes was the same. Um, I, I keep going back to the way this... The best innings for me was in that Leeds test match as well. And it wasn't from... It wasn't from Stokes. It wasn't from Smith. It was from Mitch Marsh. I thought that was... I thought that was one but of the best innings, innings of, the, of the series. See, that, that for me is how... Is why this... This series stands up alongside 2005 because it's not just been about... I mean, there hasn't actually been a winning side, but there's been individual performances on both sides, even in losing causes, that have really stood out. And that Mitchell Marsh innings was was jaw-dropping. 60 for four. It was, it was unbelievable. When he came out to bat, Australia were under the massive pump. 85 for four when he, when he went out there, 240 yeah. for five when he was out. It was a great counterpunch, and it was a brilliant innings. And Zach played a, a wonderful innings. Smiths played a couple. Stokes, you know, Lords and at Henley. But you know, from an innings point of view, in the context of a match, I thought I thought Mitch Marsh's was. You know, I, it was interesting. I was listening to Comza Comer, who was on. Um, they talked about the difference between 2005 this afternoon. I think what they were saying was, and I think the right what they were saying was the quality in 2005 of the cricket and the players that were on show in that that front. Um, what well, that shades it. Was just shared 2005. Yeah. Warren McGrath and yeah. the England's, England's four fast bowlers, Ricky yeah. Ponting at Manchester, um, Kevin Peterson at the Oval. Well, it, was not... also, it was also the great Australian side, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's It was the start of a, of a really good England side, but it was the end of a great Australian side. Yeah. And a side like Australia, who had been playing some unbelievable cricket, England had been playing some unbelievable cricket, and cricket, test match cricket wasn't dead. I think Test match cricket was on its last legs when these when the when the two captains were out for the toss at um, at Edgbaston on that first morning. I think this was a, a sliding this is a sliding doors moment for Test match cricket because if this ended up three nil four nil five nil something like that either side, I feared when when the next Ashes come around where Test match cricket would be. I think it now has a little bit of a pulse that we other people around the world or boards around the world might get on board. What about Zach Crawley, eh? Brilliant. Fantastic. I think he's. Uh, we got sent a, a sent a, a message round between us earlier for the surprise package of the series. Surprise mm. package of the series, not Zach Crawley. Surprise package of the series is Jimmy Anderson. You know, Jimmy Anderson is the surprise package of the whole series. Underrated player of the series. Nobody expected Zach Crawley to be England's leading run scorer. Nine catches at yeah. slip. I think he has been. It's been. I think it's been. Future it's been captain. a long time coming. Ah, oh, forget. Can, the you, future, can you believe I'm even saying captains? that? No. No, let let the boy let the boy have his let the boy have his glory because he's took so much stick. He's took so much stick, and I think because of the stick he's took, I hope he's enjoying a nice beer tonight. And well, I'm sure he is. I hope he enjoys a nice beer and a pat on the back because the amount of people that have given him stick, and some of it's justified, but some of it was a bit cruel because of who he's friends with and who he's close to. And he yeah, has get, I always he has found that a bit. A yeah, bit. I think it's a bit cheap that, shot. That didn't sit comfortably. No. The, the fact that he's 
you know, his dad's got money. No, uh, it's not so much that. His dad's a great man. His dad's yeah, a yeah, wonderful that, man. But that's what I'm saying. It was, yeah. There was some criticism. There was veiled criticism. Yeah. Connection to Rob Key, of course. I mean... I think we've seen in this series why why Brendan and Ben really want him at the top of the order because of because of what he can do. And I think we've seen a lot of... The, the biggest thing for me about Zach, about these five test matches, I've seen a difference in his defence. And I've seen a difference in some of his attacking shots. He's tried to hit the ball down into the ground. He's tried to defend the ball down into the ground. He's got his weight transfer going forward. His head's going into the ball. That, for me, with the long levers he's got and how, how hard he hits the ball... I think it's been a, a coming-of-age moment for Zach because he's still relatively young, even though he's played a lot of test matches, been given a lot of chances. But i tell you what, he's had a magnificent series and good on you, Zach, for doing that. Hey, you remember when I said Stuart Braw will play all five test did, matches? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't believe you. No, Zach Crawley, F-E-C. F-E-C. Oh. But look, he... Over the course of the next, over the course of the next few uh, few matches, if Stokes doesn't get his knee right, Ollie Pope, I'm not saying Ollie Pope doesn't fit in the side because he's the future England captain, but um, they're going to have to leave one batter out, and Stokes might have to bat at number three if he's in the team. And I'll and I'll concede this, if he's in the team for his just his batting and captaincy alone, I'll give you at number three. Okay, Harmy, thank you. It's been a, a privilege to be able to bring you the show over the course of the last six weeks, following on from the best series, uh, certainly since 2005. Some would say even better, but don't tell Harmy. Uh, plenty to come still on Talk Sport. It's the Transfer Insiders with Hugh Woosencroft and Rory Jennings. But for now, that's it uh, from the Oval, where England uh, wrapped up a win that wasn't quite enough uh, to take the series, but uh, certainly kept uh, the series going right until the end. Here at the Oval, winning the Test match, beating Australia by 49 runs. You've been listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, for more cricket content, you can listen to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winners Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.